Oh, the sweet, sweet sound of our regular opening music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> after what we what happened last week with, um, or I guess it'd be yesterday with uh, with our podcast episode with Fred. Um, I'm back on the horn just for today, and then yeah, off to Scotland the next couple weeks. So I've got Johnny B. John Boron with me again today. So. We're excited to have a new guest. So how are you doing, first of all, Johnny? I'm doing pretty good. Excited uh, that Hungry for Hockey Talk it has went blues. <laughs> has went blues. <laughs> to take the words out of uh, Brett Hull's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, hockey listeners, we have a very special guest on our uh, podcast today to discuss your new NHL World Stanley Cup champions of the world, the St. Louis Blues. We've got Lance with us from the Drop Hockey Show. How are you doing today, Lance? Well, after that uh, intro there, I'm doing very well. I still wake <laughs> I still wake up in the morning, and I have to ask my wife. I have to ask uh, my friends, <laughs> is it really real? Did we really win the Cup after years of having some very great teams that won the President's Trophy, and we thought they were going to win, and after suffering through the 70s and most of the 80s. Uh, it's uh, still a shock to me, but I appreciate all that opening music. It brings back a lot of great memories, especially uh, <laughs> the goal horn. And uh, it's uh, it's just fun to be on your show. And I appreciate uh, you guys having me on to be able to talk about our Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. Yeah, no, man, we're very appreciative that uh, you were able to jump on and make some time for us, you know. Um, why don't you give... Uh, Give our listeners some perspective, uh, like you, you you gave us earlier today. You were how old when uh, the St. Louis Blues last made the playoff or made it to the Stanley Cup Finals? I was born in August of '69, uh, so when they played their last Stanley Cup game in, uh, I believe it was first of June, end of May, if I'm not mistaken, and I may be a couple weeks off in 1970. Uh, I was about uh, eight to ten months old, somewhere in that range. So it's it's been a long time. Uh, moved out to St. Louis when I was six. Suffered through a ton of years of uh, some bad teams, some mm -hmm. good teams that underperformed. I mean, at one time we had a team that had five Hall of Famers on it, and uh, they lost in the first round. So uh, it's 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 been tough. Yeah, for sure, and it's just mind-boggling, folks. Like this guy is a true Blues fan. From day one, you know, their their thing is we all bleed blue, and you know this guy, Lance definitely bleeds blue, and we're just so happy for for Lance and and for all Blues fans everywhere. Uh, congratulations, seriously about for um, your first ever franchise well, Stanley Cup. It's just such an accomplishment. Well, thank you so much. Uh, 
I am glad that I moved out here from California because as a little kid, I was a California Golden Seals team, and we all know what happened with them. <laughs> they merged they merged with the Cleveland Barons eventually and became the Minnesota North Stars. So that's basically about what happened there. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, uh, I'm glad I moved out to St. Louis. It still shocks me. People are still having a great time. The parade, you know, we'd always imagine what a parade would be. And I've watched every Stanley Cup winners parade for probably the last 15, 20 years. And I have never seen a parade like this. Uh, Colton, Colton Pareko was Colton Pareko, the big, tall, lanky, six foot five, six foot six, 230 pound defenseman was crowd surfing with the crowd, giving people a hug. Uh, some women were kissing on him. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Zach Sanford was driving in his convertible yeah. white Mustang and let's just say he lost his lunch and 48 hours of alcohol all over the two people in front of him. Oh, that video is but, great. Uh, but I, I know some people that know one of the guys in front of him and they said he didn't care because it was a sta- it was Stanley Cup vomit. So, yeah. Yeah, sure. you know, I, I appreciate everything during the playoffs. Most of the people, unless they were in Boston, uh, I would get the responses saying, I hope you guys beat the Bruins. We hate them. Yeah. A lot of people from uh, Long Island, a lot of people from Toronto, a lot of people from Montreal, especially. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. we hope you kick their, uh, you know, mm-hmm. expletive. And uh, it's it's just been great. Uh, it's We're still celebrating here. And uh, like uh, a very drunk Brett Hall said, he's probably still drunk somewhere. <laughs> uh, probably got an IV bag in his arm. Uh, detoxing a little bit, getting some fluids back in him. We went blues. It's no longer let's go blues. It's we went blues. How plastered? How plastered was that guy? I think somebody said he was missing in St. Louis for 24 hours. I don't know what happened, but uh, uh, even Jamie Rivers, who I know personally, uh, he was having a hard time after the Monday, but he said it was all worth it. So. <laughs> Oh man, that guy's face was beet red when he was <laughs> when he was yelling that. It was hilarious. His lever was probably beet red too. I'm surprised so. anyone oh, let him in front of a microphone. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you've got to let Brett Hall in in front yeah, of it because oh, yeah. because you know what? I'm going to tell you something. After talking to Grant and, and Jamie Rivers and other people that played with him, they said he was such a fun guy to play with because you know he would give you a hard time. He would razz you. But if you were on his team, he loved you. And he might, you know, like I said, he was just a great guy to play with. And he always spoke his mind. You know, Grant Fear says, I could tell you some stories about him, but I really don't think we could record him. But I'll just say that he always had something very interesting to say, whether we won or lost. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. And uh, yeah, I hope uh, I hope your friend uh, bottled up that that vomit from Sanford. I'm sure uh, that's worth a little bit of money on eBay. <laughs> probably get something for it, which is just crazy. I mean, <laughs> hell, somebody got something for a damn toasted cheese sandwich that supposedly had a picture of Jesus on it. So I guess you could get some money for that uh, uh, bottle. There, uh, but, uh, Stanley Cup vomit, man. Oh, they were partying. I mean, I mean, they left for Vegas for the awards like four days early. And there's pictures of Edmondson riding a horse with a bunch of half naked women in front of him in bathing suits. And he's in a half shirt dancing on the bar. I think Joel Edmondson probably had the best time out of anybody. I don't know if he left uh, Vegas with a few friends because, you know, not every, you know, not everything you do in Vegas stays in Vegas. It does come home with you. So for sure. (laughs) 
Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's start off with a year in review then. Um, I mean, obviously winning the cup was what was the most exciting for the team and for the fans. Um, what was the, what was the, I guess the energy like when come January, you guys were dead last in the NHL, seemingly no hope. There was talk of trading Tarasenko, trading Petrangelo. Like the lineup was on, um, on the trading block. Yeah. Yeah. What was the, what was the energy there uh, in, in the city? Uh, I don't actually think you could call it energy. I think it was mm-hmm. more like a fizzle. Yeah. Uh, people were wanting anything to happen and people got on to me because I always said my podcast, I love Tarasenko. I love Shin. I love Schwartz. You know, I, I, I love all these guys cause I've seen him play here for years, but sometimes you've got to make a move that, you know, to a lot of fans doesn't make sense. And I wouldn't have been upset if they'd have traded anybody as long as it made them better in the long run. Would I have wanted them to trade those guys? No. I, you know, I wouldn't have, but as a GM, you've got to sit back in January and look at yourself and say, okay, do, do I think I've got the guys here that I traded for? I've got the chemistry here that Craig Berube can turn around because even in his first uh, 15, 20, get 15, 18 games, the team didn't look very good. You could see some flashes of a team coming together, but you just didn't know what you had. I don't think there are a few people that will tell you, oh, I knew they were going to win the cup when they were in last place. And I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) No, you didn't. No way. No way did you think that you could have been optimistic and think, I thought this team's going to win the playoffs and this team could come back because they have talent. Because I said time and time again at the first of the year, it was baffling because they had the talent. But if you watch this team, guys, I mean, Grant and Johnny, at the beginning of the year, they did not look like they wanted to be on the ice. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jay Bowmeister was hurt. Mike Yo kept saying he wasn't hurt. But this guy out there skating looked like a dead horse when he would skate. You could tell his hip and his leg was not better. Uh, pucks were going off of him right and left into the net. Uh, Jake Allen, you can't blame Jake Allen for everything. A lot of Blues fans would like to do that. And there were some games where he really stunk. But mm-hmm. there were a lot of games, probably 50-50, to where this team did not show up and it was not on Jake Allen. This team did not play well. And when Jake Allen, you know, would let a bad goal in, the team would just fall apart. Uh, I mean, in the first month of October, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, they only won two games out of 10. Now they did have, I think, two or three overtime games, two of them against uh, Chicago and one against Winnipeg to where they lost all those three games. But the reason they lost all those three games was because of bad play. It was just terrible, terrible play. They start off the first game of the season where Patrick Laine just lights them up for four or five goals. All those goals, he was open, wide open for. There wasn't a guy within 15 feet of him. And I don't know how you can let a guy like Patrick Laine (laughs) get open. Uh, It was just, it was bad. It was really, really bad. I thought they had the talent to turn it around. Did I think they were going to? In all honesty, no. But, uh, you know, it's if somebody doesn't make a movie about this, I'll be shocked because there's never been a team in last place that has come back to win the cup. Number one, number two, not many teams in last place have even come back to get to the playoffs and even win or lose the first round game. So, you know, and the Blues didn't look perfect. I mean, they took six games in Winnipeg, seven games against Dallas, 
And that series could have gone either way. They took seven games in Boston. It was just a very resilient team that even when they played bad, they bounced back the next game and gave a good effort. And that's why we're talking about a Stanley Cup win for 2019. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I remember it's just back in well uh, January when we Grant and I were talking about uh, um, St. Louis' situation, and we just really just couldn't understand it because looking at the team on paper, they're like they in every position they were strong, and we just couldn't figure out like if they were to make a change, what would make this team better? Because it on paper, it, it, it like the team should be a lot better than last place. And mm-hmm. uh, we we're just kind of waiting for that spark to happen. Yeah. They were contenders coming into the season, especially after that, uh, the, the trade for Ryan O'Reilly um, last year. <laughs> and, you know, like, this team seemed to have all the pieces. The only question mark was Jake Allen. And, you know, he, like you said, you can't blame every game on him. Um, Mm -hmm. He had some terrible games, but uh, he also stuck in there and, and really gave the team a chance to win every now and then. Um, And also just as an aside for all our listeners, so they don't get confused. I am Grant Chung and Lance, the Grant Lance is talking about that he's chatted with before is none other than hall of famer goaltender, Grant Fear, so don't get that confused. I am nowhere <laughs> near Grant Fear's level. <laughs> so, uh, but but yeah, so it, it was it was definitely shocking to see them um, in last place in uh, in January, and you know when when Jordan Bennington got called up, um, it was just a, a crazy change of events too, because or chain of events, I should say, because uh, he wasn't even supposed to be next on the depth chart because. Vili Huso was supposed to be um, the next call up, if if I'm not mistaken, and he wasn't able to go because he's he was injured. Am I correct? Yeah, you're correct. Uh, I want to get back to your point about Ryan O'Reilly before I get into that. But of course, yes, the, the season was an up and down season. On uh, I believe it was July 1st that Sunday, people, you know, we signed Perron, and they're like, "Oh, that's okay," you know, four million dollars a year. I wasn't huge on it because. I like David Perron, but he's an up and down player. He's just one of those guys. He'll do a brain fart and do a bad penalty. And he's kind of gotten better at that this year and last year in Vegas. But, uh, you know, I was okay with that. And then they get Bozak. I really like Tyler Bozak. And people are thinking, is that all we're going to do is Bozak and Perron? There's, you know, we may have a good team, but we're not going to be able to do anything. And I think that was a very smart move by Armstrong to do those first moves before getting O'Reilly. Because I think the GM in Buffalo, and I'm having a brain fart remember his name, he's probably sitting there thinking, holy heck, I'm going to have to give in and take what they're offering because I need to get rid of O'Reilly. The Blues are offering the most. They've already got these other two guys. I may not be able to trade him. And the Blues give up Patrick Berglund, a guy that had played on the first and second line, but is a third, fourth line Mm -hmm. player at best. Mm -hmm. They give up on a young guy, Tage Thompson, who I think has got a good ceiling. But, you know, he's never going to be more than probably a third-line guy. And then they give up um, Vladimir Sabotka. They give up the picks and everybody in Buffalo. Oh, we raked you guys over the coal. Ryan O'Reilly's a locker cancer. He's this, he's that. He's a terrible player, not even a top-20 center, so on and so forth. And, you know, I had heard some ramblings from people I know that said that him and Jack Eichel didn't get along. Now, neither one of them will admit it openly. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
I know some people that work in that uh, for, for Buffalo, and there was definitely some tension between the two. Jack Eichel wants that team to, to be his. The ownership wants that team to be his. They do everything to appease him. And I think sometime when Ryan O'Reilly was just honest saying, hey, we suck, mm-hmm. we need to score more, these guys around me aren't pulling their weight, and I'm not pulling my weight. And I don't know how that pisses off a fan base when you're, one of your leaders is honest, but that yeah. started off, it started out a bad season. Jake had his struggles. The team had his struggles. We get up to January, and people are thinking, we've got to do something. They let Chad Johnson go, and I was never – a huge Chad Johnson fan, but I thought he would be fine if Jake Allen did his part and the Blues played well and, you know, Chad didn't have to play more than 15 games in a year. I thought they would be okay with that. Good bargain with him at the time. So they decide to bring a guy up and it's Jordan Bennington and people are like, who? <laughs> Who's Jordan Bennington? Why don't we bring up Huso? Well, Huso was not healthy. He uh, had a bad year in San Antonio and, and I think a 3.68 or 3.78 goals against but again, uh, that's not all his fault. It wasn't his best year, but it was another one of those things of uh, defense was not good. They weren't scoring enough goals. You can't put it all on Ville Huso. I think eventually he'll be up here. I think eventually we'll see a Bennington Huso, whether it's this year, uh, you know, two years down the road. Bennington comes in, he gets a shutout. And from that point on, I think what it did. It gave the guy some confidence, and I don't know if you guys have played hockey. I played hockey for 37 years. Um, you know, I was offered a college scholarship for a Division One A school as a goaltender. My parents were very poor, couldn't pay the money for all of the uh, living expenses, so I had to turn it down and go to work. So, uh, you know, I, I know hockey, and to see a guy come out of left field, a guy who played mm-hmm. for the Providence Bruins last year, and the Bruins were praising him, saying what a great guy he was, what a fighter he was, you know, had a nerves of steel. And it ends up that the guy ends up taking the Blues, a huge a huge part of taking the Blues to the playoffs, getting them back there, getting the Stanley Cup. And it's just a huge Cinderella story from all sides. Yeah, totally. We um, uh, we Canadians know, yeah. of course, Jordan Bennington. Um, he's he was on one of our World Junior teams. I think they ended up in fourth. But he, yeah, we know yeah. we know of him and and kind of have been watching him as as he's been coming up. Um, but yeah, we we did not expect him to to be able to take over take over an NHL team like that. No, and I I thought I, I you know I've seen Bennington for probably since he was drafted. I've kind of seen him in the Blues organization, like you said, yeah. playing the, for the team up in Canada. Um, and I've always thought he had a pretty good ceiling. I thought he would eventually be a backup and maybe could be a starter on a team. But I don't think anybody's seen this. And people in St. Louis think he's perfect. You know, everybody's on the Bennington trade. Jake Allen lets in a goal, and it's all Jake Allen's fault. Bennington mm-hmm. lets in a goal, and the team let him down. Uh, the guy's a great goalie, but he does have weaknesses. And uh, once he got about 15, 20 games, you started seeing some of those weaknesses. But he's the type of guy that with a weakness, yeah, he kind of got better and learned from those weaknesses. I think one of his weaknesses is high glove side above his belly button. If, uh, mm. a, if a guy can get it up there high enough, he's got some weaknesses. But a lot of goaltenders have. You, you know, you remember Brian Elliott up in up in Calgary, Brian Elliott here yeah. in St. Louis. They ha- he's had he has a weakness there, but the guy doesn't have a lot of weakness. And unlike Jake Allen, when he lets in a bad goal, 
he still stays calm. Jake would get frustrated. And when you knew Jake let in that bad goal, you knew the night was going to be long. With Bennington, yeah. he lets in a bad goal, and he's frustrated with it. I think when he first came into the league, he would really show anger, but I think he calmed down a little bit. And, uh, you know, the guy does have nerves of steel. Does he get nervous? I'm telling you yeah. right now, the man does get nervous. Everybody gets nervous no matter how long you play in this league. You know, I talk to players, goaltenders such as Grant Fuhrer, and you always get a little bit nervous. You know, whether it's a Stanley Cup or a game, you're, you're, you're not a human if you don't get a little bit nervous. But, mm-hmm. man, he, he's, he does have some pretty strong nerves there. And it was just a great story to see him come in in that first game against Philadelphia, I believe, and, and shut him out. The Blues needed something to turn him around. Yeah. Yeah. And, man, I've said this before um, on, uh, on the Overtime Heroics NHL forums. Uh, that, you know, the, the thing that impresses me the most about Bennington is, yeah, like you're right. He, he does have some weaknesses. Um, but like you've mentioned too, when he lets in a bad goal, his composure, um, and if he has a bad game too, uh, where he'll let in five goals, he showed that in the regular season, he showed that in the playoffs in extremely high pressure situations, uh, Especially, I, I believe it was game six where he let in five goals to, to Boston. Five to one, yep. And then in yeah. game game four, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, or game three, mm-hmm. it was seven to two. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, his ability to respond and uh, you know maintain his composure and come in cool as a cucumber uh, and be able to have those, maybe not shutdown games, but be able to limit the other team's scoring chances or, or goals against, I mean, um, is is phenomenal like for for a first year rookie goaltender um i mean i know he's 25 but this is still his first taste of nhl competition uh and you know i'm i'm gonna say it i think that uh he has the ability to be the next carry price you know they they play uh, a very similar play style um he's very technically sound he never seems to lose his net behind him uh and he's got that composure that um that Kerry has that where he can just forget about a bad goal and, and remain focused on stopping the next one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, one thing about him is every now and again, like you said, and if you're a goaltender, if you played hockey, if you watch hockey for a long time, you notice things like that every mm-hmm. now and again, he will take a wrong angle to a puck mm-hmm. and you can see right after it goes in, he knows he did not take the correct angle and you know, he'll have a bad game very rarely, four to one, five to one, three to nothing, whatever. But the next game, he bounces back very quickly. And that's not something that Jake Allen did a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did it in his rookie year when, you know, and he played very well in the playoffs a couple of years back uh, when the Blues came back, when Mike Yo took over. He is the only reason they beat the Minnesota Wild in that first series. I think his goals against was way under two in that series. And then he played great against the Predators in the second round. If it wasn't for him in either one of those series, the Blues would have not won any of those series. So Jake Allen has the talent, but I just think Bennington has a—he's got that mental edge. And I'm—I like Jake Allen. Nothing against Jake. I think Jake could go somewhere in the right situation and be a number one goaltender, be a one A, a one B, whatever. But I think Bennington. Just has that bounce that bounce back about him. Okay, whatever. I let in four goals. Let's move on to the next game. I think sometimes after things started going bad for Jake in St. Louis, 
because he loves the city so much. It, I think it got to him. We all know that Martin Brodeur had to come in after Mike O took over. Martin worked with him. Martin was the assistant GM. Helped Jake started getting better angles to the puck because that was his issue in the first part of that year. His his uh, his uh, strategy and taking angles to a puck were terrible. You would see him getting a stance, and I'm like, oh, holy hell, that's the wrong angle. Right as the guy would shoot it, and he would score, and he'd get frustrated and skate around you know, the goal crease, and you could just tell it was getting to him, and then it was all downhill from there. But Bennington just seems to be a different guy, and I'm not – and I, I think Bennington has the tools to be Carey Price type, but I think he also needs a team to be strong in front of him. I think one key to him being successful, the Blues in a lot of games he played in, mm. he played in a lot of games where he faced under 25 shots. And when that happens, you're giving your goaltender a lot of good opportunities to win the game. And, you know, you, you give up 25 shots, you're going to cut down on quality scoring chances. There were nights where Jake Allen would face 43, 45 shots, 38 shots, 35 shots, 34 shots, 32 shots. You know, and a lot of people don't think, well, Jake only faced eight more shots. Yeah, but if out of those eight shots, two of them were good scoring opportunities because of a defenseman being out of position or a, a, a turnover, you know, it's going to be a different result. But I'm not taking anything away from Jordan Bennington. I don't want you guys to think that because I think the ceiling's a limit with him. There are people here in St. Louis saying we need to tie the guy up as a as a restricted free agent. I don't think if you're Bennington, you do that. And I don't think if you're the Blues, you do that. He had a small sample size. That's one of the reasons why he didn't win the Calder. If he'd have played in 50 games and had the stats he did in 50 games, he would have won the, the Calder uh, over Pedersen up in, uh, up, up in Vancouver. But uh, I think the Blues should sign him to probably two to three years and he's not going to get more than Jake Allen. I know people are saying give him five, six million dollars. I think that'd be stupid for his agent to do, stupid for him to do. Mm-hmm. I would I would play two or three years on a restricted free agent contract, somewhere between two and three million a year. And then if he still is that good, become a free agent and see if the blues want to pay him the uh, by that time, which is probably going to be seven, eight million dollars a year if he's that good of a goaltender. But I think that's what we're looking at from him. But there's only upside with him, and if he can do that over the next – I mean, even if the guy doesn't have a 1.89 goals against, you know, and above 9.0, save percentage, um, you know, even if he's 2.45 goals against, uh, I think you still got to keep him because unlike Jake Allen, Jordan Bennington is the guy that it doesn't matter if you're at 4-3. to three. Doesn't matter if you're three to two. Doesn't matter if you're six to five. He makes that big save. And that's the type of goalie you want. You want a guy that, yeah, he can get you that one to nothing win, that two to nothing win, three to nothing win. But you want that guy when it's in the third period with five minutes left and the other team is just putting the pressure on you and dominating you in the offensive zone. You want that guy that's going to keep it three to two. And Jordan Bennington is that guy. For sure. And yeah, you, you took the question right out of my mouth. I was just going to ask if uh, you'd prefer a bridge deal or a long-term contract for, for Jordan Bennington. Um, and uh, yeah, what value you'd be looking to sign him to. Uh, I agree with you there. I think that um, a shorter-term contract would probably be the best for both sides. Um, yes. Just for Bennington to be able to prove that he's worth the money. 
mm-hmm. uh, and for the Blues to be able to pad against, um, you know, in case he has like a one-off year um, and falls off like Andrew Hammond. For example. I was just going to say yeah, yeah. the Hamburglar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but back to your 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 thing about Allen and you know fans not. Um, you know, maybe not supporting him when he's having those 38 safe performances. Uh, I think maybe that has to do with like the reason why Allen gets more shots could be that um, maybe the team has lost their faith and confidence in the guy. Um, Cause I would imagine that if you have more faith in your goaltender, you'd want to be playing better for him. So perhaps because they don't have the, the confidence necessary um for for Jake Allen back there that they play maybe a little worse defensively um aren't willing to block shots or you know play well defensively to to get the puck out of the zone um so if that is the case what do you do with Jake Allen um you mentioned that you know he'd probably be good somewhere else can you see anywhere that um you would maybe think that he would have a good uh renaissance season or renaissance career I guess well, I, I will definitely agree with you on the point, you know, as being a former goaltender, when your team does lose confidence in you, it makes a difference because what happens is you've got a game plan against every team. Every coach likes to play a certain way. Craig Berube likes to play physical, not necessarily take cheap shots, but every chance you get, they're going to hit you. They're going to, they're going to take a, you know, any opportunity you give them and do their best to score on that opportunity on a giveaway, you know, when you cannot play your game because you think your goaltender may give up a bad goal or he does give up a bad goal, it makes you think twice. It makes you get a little bit nervous. And I know people just will don't understand that, but if you've got a guy, if you're winning three to two and you know, Jake has made some good saves, but he's looked a little shaky on a couple others or he's let in a bad goal you're going to be a little timid and you're going to think I've got to back up. I've got to, I've got to back up, play defensively more. I can't pinch into the, into the offensive zone as a defenseman. And that takes away your scoring opportunities. Number one, number two, you get back in your zone. You've got the puck behind the net. You're coming out of the zone. You're thinking, I I, I can't do something wrong. I cannot do something wrong. And it's just natural. I know these guys are professionals, but it's natural to do that. When you lose confidence in a goaltender, it's going to show up. It's going to show up in the way you play because you can't play the style of game you need to play to win. You just start backing up and start trying to protect your goaltender. And it doesn't mean you don't respect your goaltender. doesn't mean you don't like the guy. It just means that you feel at that time he's letting a bad goal and you've got to change things up to make sure that doesn't happen again. And a team can't play that way. Um, I would like to see Jake move on because I think he needs a fresh start. Um, like I said, I think he can be a, a, a number one somewhere, but I know for a fact he can be a very good number two somewhere. I know that there's been talk of him, maybe Montreal, Montreal might be interested in him. Uh, I've heard Carolina might possibly be interested in him, uh, you know, cause I believe McElhaney's a, a free agent after this year. Uh, I don't know if they're going to keep him, uh, because of the way he played in the playoffs, He's probably going to get more money than they want to give. So I think anybody that gets Jake Allen and they can provide him a good team in front of him, whether it's being a number one, a 1A, a 1B, a number two, I think he can be a very serviceable goalie that can, you know, and like I said, 
He's going to be able to make some good saves when he needs to. Is he going to let a bad goal in now and again? Probably, but maybe that change of scenery will just be a spark with him. Uh, he's a great guy. He supported Jordan Bennington. I never said anything bad in the media. He loves his teammates. His teammates love him. I think the Blues need to keep him. A lot of people in St. Louis think I'm nuts. But my reasoning on that is, who are you going to get? And who are you going to get cheaper? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, well, we can get somebody for 1.2 to 1.5 like Carter Hutton. And I'm saying, okay, who? And nobody can give me names. You know, and like, you know, you and I talked earlier before the show about Mike Smith. And I like Mike Smith. I think he could be a backup. But I honestly think the guy thinks he can still play 50 games a year. I just don't think it almost 40 years old. He can't. I think he's going to be a backup somewhere. But I think even as a backup, he's going to demand three to four, four and a half million dollars a year. And in my my, my thinking is this. Is Mike Smith really an upgrade to Jake Allen? Is Curtis McElhaney really an upgrade to Jake Allen? I know a lot of fans say Bobrovsky. There's no way Bobrovsky's coming here when they want Bennington to have a chance at number one. Bobrovsky's not going to want to play backup. He has told his agent he wants nine to ten and a half, even $11 million a year, I've heard, for six to eight years. I think he's going to get somewhere in the nine and a half to ten million range. Somebody's going to pay him. I don't think it's going to be Columbus because I just don't think they have the money to do it. But then again, they might. Uh, that's, that's my question. Who are you going to bring in that's better than Jake Allen? And people are like, well, I don't want somebody better, even if a guy that gives up three and a half, four goals a game, and we can get him for a million dollars a year. And I, what are you, what are you thinking <laughs> here? What if Bennington gets hurt? Goalies get hurt. He's in great shape, yeah. but goalies get hurt. And if he goes down, you want a guy who has started at least, you know, started in the league or at least played 40, 35, 40 games. Who's that guy? And nobody can tell me. I mean, in all honesty, guys, when you think of it, would you replace Jake Allen with Curtis McElhaney or even a Mike Smith? Maybe a Mike Smith if you can get him for $2 million and he's willing to be backup. But I really can't think of anybody else they can get. Uh, Leonard and the Islanders, he wants to start. And he's, he's either going to end up in New York or he's going to end up somewhere and make six and a half to $7 million a year. I don't know any other goalies out there that meet that criteria. I don't see a Carter Hutton type of a guy who backed up Tuka Rask in Nashville and was very good backing him up and then came to St. Louis and played very well backing up Jake Allen and then taking over for some times when Jake would have a brain fart and have to be, you know, replaced for several games. Do you guys see anybody out there? I, I don't. Yeah. I, I, this issue, I, I'm a huge Habs fan. And uh, when that year that Carey Price went down, we were going through similar questions. Oh yeah. Trying to figure out, <laughs> we went through three or four goaltenders just trying to figure out what, mm -hmm. what to do. Um, and uh, you mentioned Jake Allen or the interest in Montreal and Jake Allen. I think I, I would love to have him, but I think the contract um, is a little bit too high for Montreal because um, that, that would lock up about 15 million uh, between their two goaltenders. So yeah. I think that's just yeah. a bit too much. Yeah, and I, 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 I think most teams nowadays want to be at eight mil or less yeah. unless you've got, <laughs> unless you've got a star goaltender. Now I will tell you, I do know some, I, I, my source at the blues tells me that if the blues could trade him and get a decent return, they might be willing to take a little bit of his contract, right. like, you know, a, a million, right. a million point two three a year, which would bring him down closer to three mil a year, but still for the Canadians with that price contract, 
that's going to be hard to do, but it might be a it's little more palatable. Something worth entertaining for sure. Yeah, but, but they're definitely looking to improve, I think, in, in their forward position in Montreal. I think they have to. They've got some talented guys. But they're definitely not four. They're definitely not four line strong up in Montreal no. like the Blues <laughs> no, are. They're not. <laughs> I, I I think you've got one very good line, a decent second line, and then it just falls apart it, after that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, d- depending on what happens with um with Robin Leonard, uh, potentially could you see a, an Allen for Grice swap? I think that's possible, and I I like Grice. Um. I think he could be a pretty good backup. Uh, before this year, I had a lot of questions about him. I, I think Grice is one of those guys when he's got competition, he's better. And if he, if if he thinks he might be able to, you know, be a backup and get twenty games, or have the possibility that if Bennington gets hurt or, or just does a big brain fart in his sophomore season, that he could step in and and be a, a starter for you know ten games, five games, whatever. I think that would be a decent option. It just depends on what the Blues are thinking. I don't know if the Blues are high on mm-hmm. him. I, I I think the Blues are high enough on Jake Allen to keep him. But if somebody came and gave them, I think if they could get a third-round pick for him, a high third-round pick, and somebody to, to take $3 million of that contract, I think they would move on from him. Right. But that, that's a big if. You know, I think there's a lot of teams Jake would fit in on. I mean, who, who not – what team is not looking for a good backup, guys? Every team mm-hmm. wants that Carter Hutton type of backup. Everybody wants that type of backup like Brian Elliott was here in St. Louis, the 1A, the 1B guy. And those guys are hard to find. And when you find them, you normally have to pay them a lot more than what you really want to pay them. I think the Blues want to be at under $7 million a year for their starter and their backup. And they would love to be under six. So, you know, I, I think in my mind – People hate me in St. Louis for saying this. Like I, like I said, even though I said, who are you going to bring in? And nobody can answer that question. I think when you can't answer that question, you got to keep Jake Allen. Unless something comes up and you're wanting to sign a Panarin, a Panarin, which the Blues fans say, oh, we got to go after Panarin. You know, him and Tarasenko are good friends, so he's going to end up here. You know what, guys? When it comes to getting $7, 8000000 million a year and getting $11 million a year, friendship is great. And, you know, the Stanley Cup, you know, the Blues winning the Stanley Cup might help them get Panarin at a small discount, you know, and the fact he's friends with Tarasenko. I just don't think the Blues are going to go in that direction. No, that would really mess up. I mean, I'm looking at uh, Cap Friendly right now and just like looking at the Cap situation here in, in St. Louis. And it's it's re- it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, you have some incredible players locked up long terms at reasonable salaries and Mm-hmm. Um, don't think you would really want to mess that up. No. And you know, there are some guys that I think need to be gone from this team. And I think for years, this guy was one of the top two way players in the league. And that's Alex mm-hmm. Dean. Uh, I don't, he had a couple good spots in the playoffs and in the Stanley cup finals, but his contract is just not yeah. good. I know for a fact, and you know, I can't give my sources and people get pissed when I can't. But if I gave up my sources, I wouldn't have sources. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sources yeah. have told me. Yeah, sources have told That's me over works, the last folks. year. Yeah, yeah. Sources have told me. I mean, the Blues writers, Jeremy Rutherford, Andy, Andy, Andy Strickland, uh, Luke Horak, those guys don't give up their sources unless it's Doug Armstrong. And Doug Armstrong says, yeah, you guys can, can say this. I know for a fact the Blues have tried to trade Alex Steen at least two times 
since the beginning of not this season, but last season. And he has turned down both trades. Oh, and, uh, you know, in my mind, when you've got a guy like that, and I understand it, if I was in a place that I like to play, I was a player that was set in a place. I probably wouldn't want to give up my no trade co- contract, but if you guys remember years and years ago, um, God, what was his name? Uh, Nash, Nash in Columbia played all those years in, in Columbia. They loved him there. The team came to him and said, Hey, we need some cap relief on your contract. We want to trade you to New York. And he's like, you know, I, I love this city. I want to do what's best for the city. Plus I want to go to a place. that's still a decent place I can play. He gave up his no trade mm-hmm. contract. You know, I, I think if you love the city, you've been here a long time. They've treated you very well, Alex Dean. They gave you a $5.75 million contract when you probably shouldn't have got it. I saw things the year before they gave him this contract that told me he was in a decline. He happened to have a steep decline because they chose to give him that contract over Bacchus. You know, they offered Bacchus somewhere between 5 and 5.5 for four years. And I am so glad they didn't give him that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, still, it was a mistake to give Steen that. I think Steen needs to be gone. Uh, I think eventually Braden Shin is going to be moved this year, whether it's during the season, whether it's at the trade deadline. Uh, you know what happens, guys, when you win a Stanley Cup, all the fans want to keep everybody. Yeah. Oh, let's keep him. Let's let's give him what he wants. People are thinking that uh, Braden Shin is only going to demand five and a half to six million dollars yeah, after right. this contract. <laughs> he's going to be with the way contracts are going. He's going to be at least a six and a half, if not a seven and a half to eight million dollar guy. People tell me I'm nuts. But you tell me a team that would not give would not give Braden Shin right now, even after kind of a, a lower season than he had the last, you know, year and a half, two years with the Blues. Um, you know, who wouldn't give him seven, seven and a half million? I think a lot of teams would give him that. And he's gonna garner that. The sta- the salary cap's only gonna go up. You know, yeah. and um he's not gonna be here. You know, and the Blues, I don't think, are gonna make the same mistake as they did with Bacchus and letting him go without nothing back in return. Um, he's going to be gone. And uh, I like the guy, but, uh, you know, people are saying, well, he loves St. Louis. I'm going to tell you one thing about Braden Shin. He does like St. Louis, but if somebody offers him $3 million more than St. Louis, he's going to yeah, go. Sure. He's he's going to go somewhere. And he's not going to be there after this year, which is going to open them up for a lot more caps, cap space in the following year. I think that's, yeah, that's I mean, pretty typical of uh, of Stanley Cup champion teams. Is Like you look at Chicago after winning – a couple of years in a row and everyone just demanding more money. And then like at the beginning, Buffalo having to leave. And then as you, as, as they go on more and more, more and more, of the core team just demands more money. So you kind of have a shell of that original, original team. So I, and yeah, yeah. And, and you, you can't do that, that I'm not a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan, but they're the reason they've been good. They've kept the core. They found some complimentary third line guys, second line guys, fourth line guys, because they didn't want to give those guys mm-hmm. big money, you know, and that's what allowed them to win the Stanley cups. They won. And if they would have just signed everybody because, Oh, they gave you a cup. Like somebody was telling me the other day, you've got to sign Ivan Barbashev, even though he's a restricted free agent, you're going to have to sign him, um, you know, to, to three to $4 million a year. And I told him, I said, no way in hell do you sign Ivan Barbashev <laughs> to $3 million a year. He's he's only making, I think, seven hundred to 900000 this year. And the average guy on an RFA contract, 
gets anywhere from about a 10 to 15% raise on average. Now, sometimes the Blues and other teams will give a little bit more. He's not going to make the one point. He's not going to make more than 1.3, 1.5 on a one year to two year contract. Uh, you know, it, it just goes nuts when you win the Stanley Cup and all these people just come out of the woodwork. Give this guy this, mm-hmm. give this guy that. And, you know, people talking about uh, Alex Petrangelo. Well, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2020, 2021. He's going to demand nine to $10 million by yep. that time. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've got to give it to him. We've got to give it to him. I love Alex Petrangelo, but you don't give Alex Petrangelo $10 million a year. You just can't. Uh, you know, if, if he'll sign here for eight, you know, eight and a half, yeah, do it because he's still going to be at a decent age. But people have got to back off here. We won the cup, but you can't just think about we've got to sign all these guys. You can find guys to replace certain guys this year, next year. You've got to be smart with your cap space. I know it's somewhere around $17 million now. I think by the time the year starts, after signing some of these RFAs, it's going to be somewhere between eleven and $13 million, which is going to allow you to make some pretty good moves. You've got some guys, like I said, coming off of contracts next year. You've got some guys you're probably going to move on from, and Sheen and, and Shen and Steen. Um, so I think the Blues are setting at a pretty good spot. Yeah, and to to go back to to what you were saying about who's going to give um, Braden Shen eight million dollars, well, the Philadelphia, <laughs> Philadelphia Flyers would. They gave. Uh, I think they probably yeah, would. Yeah, they gave Kevin Hayes seven point one four million. And he's yeah. a career 55, 60-point I mean, guy. And, I mean, yeah. Shen had that one year of 70 points. And, yeah, like you said, he had a bit of a decline this year. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is it is pretty crazy how, how these contracts are getting bloated. Like, you know, um, Eric Carlson just signed an $11 million deal. Yeah. And is Petrangelo yeah. as good as Eric Carlson? Yeah, maybe, but like he's healthier. Um, That's right. But like you said, I think that he's more of an eight eight point five million dollar a year defenseman. Um, yeah, I, I I think on the open market, you make it some stupid team like the Rangers, <laughs> or or some team like that, like or, or even yeah. Toronto. You know, if I, I know right now that they're really cap hit big time, uh, but. Uh, you know, maybe Toronto by then moves on from some of these other guys. They got rid of Marlowe's contract. I think in two or three years, they're going to be much better off. You know, I think a team like that would overpay for him. I think, in all honesty, he's a guy worth eight and a half to nine and a half million dollars when his contract is up. If I'm the Blues with younger guys coming up, uh, they got some good defensemen down in, in, in uh, San Antonio. I love Alex Petrangelo. He works hard. You know, and getting back to guys that work hard, Shint, at the beginning of the year, I think the guys that were working hard were were, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Shin most games, Tyler Bozak most games. Um, You know, a lot of other guys just weren't there. They weren't working hard. And I I respect that, but you can't overpay for a, a guy. And like you said, Shin is somewhere between 55 to 70 points. You know, and maybe he gets with the right team because if he had been, if the Blues would have played in, in the first half like they did in the second half, Shim probably would have been another seventy-five point guy. He may have even gotten to eighty points. So, you know, you've got to be smart with your contracts. In the past, I don't think uh, Doug Armstrong has been, and I hope he doesn't run back into mm-hmm. that. But um, 
you know, I think the Blues are setting pretty well for the next couple of years. They've got guys coming up. Uh, you know, Robert Thomas is, of course, going to be a restricted free agent after the 22 season. If he continues to grow like he did in the second half of this season, he's going to demand a pretty good amount, even as a restricted free agent. But, uh, you know, I think they're sitting pretty good. A lot of other teams would love to have the cap space the Blues are going to have this year. Yeah, for sure. Um John, did you have anything to add to that? Oh, I was just wondering uh, before I asked about RFAs. I, I was going to ask that same question. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who, 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 who are you keeping? Who are you, who are you bringing back? Particularly, like I'm interested um, if Pat Maroon if is willing to sign friendly. another team uh, friendly. You know, like I said earlier, the whole thing with Barbashev and the whole thing with Sunquist, they fit in in the blue system perfect. They may not fit in somewhere else. I mean, the Penguins gave up on Sunquist. They gave up on him very early. And, you know, if if Pat, if uh, if Sunquist was still in, in Pittsburgh, would he have the success he would have had? I don't think so. He fits in the system pretty well. I think he's smart enough to know that, you know, to stay here. And, you know, and if he wants to become a free agent unrestricted in a couple of years, you know, move on. But um, Pat Maroon, you know, and I, I've never understood this about St. Louis. Oh, he's from St. <laughs> Louis. Yeah, that, that, that's great. That's nice. You know, that's great. You know, um, um, Grant Fuhrer was from around Edmonton. You know, he was in a town about 45 minutes away, grew up there. But at one point, the Oilers had to move on from him. It was time to move on. And, you know, y- you just have to make good decisions. If he will come back for a one to two year, maybe three, if it's very cheap, the longer term with him, the less amount of money I give him. If he wants to come back for two years at two five, I'm fine with him. But like I said, a lot of Blues fans are just going emotional. He's from St. Louis. He, re, you know, he reunited with his son. Great story. But you don't pay him for that. You pay him for his results. And for the for the first seventy percent of the season, he was terrible. He was not good. Do you pay a guy on a Stanley Cup team because he was great for thirty? percent of the season and was off and on in the playoffs, you know, maybe some other team will give him four or 5 million, but if I'm the blues, you do not do that with all these young guys coming up. You can't do that. Give him one to two years, three, if it's under $2 million a year, if it's one to two years, no more than two, five, you, you just can't do it. And if he doesn't want it, if he doesn't like the fact he's closer to his son, if he doesn't like the fact he won a Stanley cup, you know, then, then go your way because I'm sure somebody, you know, I mean, the Devils and the Oilers last year were willing to give him three to four years at $4 million a year before he came to mm-hmm. St. Louis and he turned it down. I'm sure there are some teams that are still willing to do that. Um, you know, I think a lot of it's going to depend on, does he want to take that Lorian contract? But if I'm the Blues, you don't go more than $2.5 million a year and no more than two years at that point. And if he goes down to $1.92 million a year, I got no problem with a three-year contract, but I'd prefer two years at two and a half million or less. Even that's pretty good for, for a guy like Maroon. Definitely. Yeah, it, it is. It's definitely, it's definitely good. You're giving him a huge raise uh, based on what he did in the second half of the season. You know, you're saying, I know you can get more money here, but if I'm Doug Armstrong, even though as a podcaster, I don't care. You know, like I said, that he's from St. Louis. That's a great story. And I do love that story. But if I'm Doug Armstrong, you use that with his agent. Yeah. You use it against him. You were happy here. You had a good second half of the season. 
you know, Pat, we just can't afford to pay you. We know you can get more in the open market. If you want to stay here, here's our offer. We can't do any more. Mm -hmm. And if he moves on, I wish him the best. He's a very nice guy. I know people that know him. He's, he's a great guy in the locker room. But, you know, you don't pay a guy a million and a half to two million dollars more and extend him out two years just because he's from your city. <laughs> that, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's something that I wanted to ask. Um, well, I guess let's just add, get this out of the way just because we're on the topic. So would you consider if you aren't able to to keep Maroon for whatever reason, if he decides to leave, would you consider adding Corey Perry on a short-term low-money deal to replace a guy like uh, Patrick Maroon? Or like, are you high on Corey Perry at all or anything like that? The thing I worry about Corey Perry, the older he gets and he loses his skill and some of his speed. A lot of his speed. He gets to be a dirty. Yeah, yeah, a lot of his speed. <laughs> uh, I mean, we all remember him up north. He was a lot better player, I think, than he is now. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I wouldn't go Corey Perry because I think he's going to want three or four years, and I don't think he's going to come here on a two-year contract. I think he's going to want more money than the Blues give him. And I think in the last year or two, like I said, he's lost a lot of his speed. He's lost a lot of his talent. And he's taken some really stupid penalties. Mm -hmm. And the older he gets, the worse he gets with that issue. Uh, I've not been a Corey Perry fan. <laughs> I like it when he plays physical. But I think sometimes he's just a little too dirty. You know, I, I put him in the P.K. Subban type of a guy. Yeah, you'd love to have him on your team. But at what point does his dirtiness you know, kind of not play into what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, I, I just, I wouldn't go Corey Perry. I, I just wouldn't at this time, because like I said, I don't think the blues are going to give him much money and I don't think they're going to give him term. I yeah. just don't see it. No, that's totally fair. Um, so I wanted to, I've been asking this uh, question to, to a lot of folks. Um, and honestly, right now, I think St. Louis would be in the perfect position Um to, to do this, uh, basically the question is, if you were GM, if you were Doug Armstrong, um, would you submit an offer sheet for a guy, like for one of the top end guys to solidify your core um, as the cup champions? Because you know that uh, your cap situation is, is pretty good right now. Um, if you do end up uh, letting Shen walk after his contract next year. Um, you could find a suitor for uh, Jaden Schwartz to get rid of his 5.35 million contract. Uh, would you go after a guy like Marner, Aho, Braden Point, even Kachuk, who's you know probably lived in St. Louis, who lived in St. Louis for you know ten years when uh, his dad played there? Um, because, you know, who wouldn't want to play for the Cup Champs? You guys are in the perfect position uh, to really try and go for a repeat. And uh, your first-round picks aren't going to be that um, – aren't going to be worth much anyway if you're going to be picking late round uh, in the first anyway because you'd be giving up four first-round picks. So would that be something you would consider as, as GM? Well, I will tell you this right now. Doug Armstrong has had talks with Toronto about Marner. I don't know how serious they are. Um, I think if the Blues can't get that Panarin type guy, you've got to go a little bit of a step down. 
if they can get someone, if they can buy out Steen's contract, uh, which I think his buyout clause is somewhere uh, between 1.7 to $3 million a year left over somewhere in that range. Um, If you could get rid of Steen, I would definitely go after a guy like a Kachuk. I, I definitely would. Hey, he's from St. Louis. Let's sign him out. No, um, I, 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 trust me, I've I've, I've seen that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's from St. Louis. Maroon can move on, and he can wear his dad's sweater. Perfect story. Great story, guys. Sign the guy because he can play. Which I think, I think he's only going to get better. And I would, I'd love to see it. It would um, crush me, but you know, yeah, that would be pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, I I think Calgary is in a catch twenty two place. Mm-hmm. Do do you do you sign him for a lower amount under a restricted free agent contract? Do you see if he'll take a longer amount, you know, a longer contract? I don't think he's going to. I I, I think his agent and uh, you know the way his dad did things, and he's very close to his dad. Right. I don't I don't think he's going to sign that long term deal. I just don't. Um, you know, Calgary had such issues in the playoffs. I think they're going to have to make a lot of decisions, which started at, after the first round playoff mm-hmm. loss. Um, I think they're going to have a hard time signing. him. I think a lot of teams are going to want him if Maroon moves on and they can get somebody to either take over Steen's contract or buy him out. I would definitely go after a guy like that. Most definitely. Um, you know, I, I, th- I think the blues are in the Marner sweepstakes. And I think he's a great, great player, but his agent has already said he wants $11 million a year. He wants Austin Matthews money. Um, I don't know if he's proven me that he's worth that. Uh, you know, could I see 9 million for the guy? Probably maybe even 10, but that extra million, million and a half of Matthews type money, I think you could use somewhere else. Uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to want six to eight years. His agent wants eight. No team's going to give him eight. Um, you know, no team is going to be an idiot and give an eight year contract, you know, with a possible lockout coming up, unless you're the San Jose sharks, given an often injured aging <laughs> Carlson, you know, that's one of the stupidest contracts I've seen in years. Um, so, um, I think the blues need to look at all options. They need to look at Panarin, you know, can they get Panarin to come here? Um, you know, I would rather give Panarin. 10, $11 million a year on an all honesty yeah. than Mitch Marner. I, I really wow. would. Um, you know, I love Marner and people are going to tell me I'm nuts that I'm picking, you know, Panarin o- o- over him, but you know, something has to be said about um, where you've come from, where you've been, the type of player you've been, you've got more of a proven track record than Marner does. Um, you know, if you can get Marner cheaper than Panarin, then by all means go after Panarin. But that four round, that four first round picks, you know, the Blues, the Blues probably would be one of the few teams that could stomach mm-hmm. that because they've got so many good young players coming yeah. up. But if those young players don't work out and you sign Marner, you've put yourself in a pretty bad situation. So it, it's going to be a fine balance for Doug Armstrong. If I'm D- Doug Armstrong, um, I would try for Panarin if he's not available. And you know, like I said, they're already looking into Marner. If they can't make a decent run at one of those guys, I go all in on a guy like Kachuk. I just do. Yeah. I mean, and I'm really, why wouldn't you? I mean, St. Louis is like you said, is definitely in a, in a great spot to, 
to really be aggressive with with the offer sheets because they don't have to worry about a goaltender. Um, you know, unless Bennington, I guess, doesn't work out. But yeah. the chances of that are extremely low at this moment. Oh yeah. Um, their defense is is um, is cheap and solidified. Mm-hmm. Um, and just imagine, like if if uh, Marner could feed John Tavares forty goals in the in the regular season, imagine what he could do playing along the, uh, alongside Tarasenko, who can score thirty on his own. Um, That's right. So, like th- that would be tantalizing. And you know, if if they got Kachuk, even um, that would be amazing. It would kill me as a Flames fan, uh, but. Uh, that would be quite quite a sight to see um, him playing for his father's old team. But uh, oh yeah, it, it it definitely would be. And I think one of the mistakes the Blues made. You and I talked about it before we got on the show about Jay Bowmeister. Mm-hmm. I thought his career was over, but I'm going to tell you, he was their best defenseman in the second half. Jay Bowmeister was their best defenseman overall in the second half of the season. Once that injury healed. He looked more like the Joe. The, the, he looked more like the Jay Bowmeister from three years ago. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have given him more than two million dollars a year. Uh, you know that extra one point two five million, I think, would have helped them. You know, go after more people and help them sign some of their RFAs. It is what it is, but I think you saw sometimes in the playoffs where, you know, a player gets old, and especially a defenseman like yeah. him who in Calgary logged twenty seven to twenty eight minutes for yeah. years. I mean, years. And then comes to St. Louis and logs 20 to 24. People don't realize what a toll on your body that takes. And those are hard minutes. And as a big guy with those long legs, that long back, it's hard on you. And I think I think Bo Meester is going to be one of those guys this year that's up and down. He's going to have some great games and be the old Jay Bo Meester. And then he's going to have some bad games because of his age. I wouldn't have signed him for more than two mil a year. And I think that would have helped them you know, with some of these moves, you know, possible Marner, possible Panarin, possible Brady Kachuk. And what's, what's even, what's even scary if the blues did things right and moved on from these, from some of these guys, like a Schwartz, like a, you know, a, a Steen, like a shin, it could be scary guys. Cause the blues could actually get Marner and a guy like mm-hmm. Kachuk. And that would be really, really scary. But you guys all know, Nope. Buying championships <laughs> in the NHL doesn't always yeah. work, you know, just like the NFL, just like baseball. I mean, the Yankees are, are normally good, but there's been years they've spent 30, 40%, 100% over the cap, and they have finished third or fourth in the mm-hmm. East. You know, it, it doesn't always guarantee it, but with Brady Kachuk being from St. Louis, he's got chemistry with Robert Thomas. You know, he's played in the city. He's comfortable. You know, uh, it would probably work out very well, and I think Mitch Marner would work out well here, and I think Panarin would. Doug Armstrong is, is you know, a lot of people think he's set, but he's got some big decisions to make. Totally, yeah. So you would offer uh, offer sheet a guy like that? Oh, definitely. And uh, you know, maybe Calgary matches it. Maybe <laughs> you know, maybe they do. They friggin' better. <laughs> uh, you know, I I think they're in a position. To where they almost have to. Yeah. I mean, they they've they've got some young, good talent. You know, I I don't think they're gonna pay Smith what he wants. I don't think you can rely on Riddick as a full time goalie at this point. They're gonna have to pay somebody and bring him in. 
you know, I've heard some people, my friends up in Calgary, went in Bobrovsky, but no way. I don't, I haven't looked at, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. They don't have the cap space Mm-mm. to do that now. Uh, I've, you know, I looked a while back at their cap space, maybe three years down the road, they could do that, but they can't do that now. So who are they going to get? They're going to go out and, and, and get Leonard from the Islanders and re-sign him and make him an offer he can't refuse. I think that would be a good move, but they've got a lot of decisions too. Yeah, this is definitely going to be an important offseason for Trill Living, especially since uh, he has that, um, I guess, penchant for making those big moves the last three years in a row with the draft. Um, yeah, and, and you know, you, you guys have some good defensemen, some good young defensemen. Uh, so I think, you know, they're going to move on from, from Giordano eventually. I don't see him having the type of year he had last year. Is he going to still be a good, you know, top four defense top two, top three defensemen? I think so, but I don't think he's going to have the year he had last year. He's getting old, but you guys got some good defensemen coming up. We, we, we saw them play this year and I think they're going to be fine defensively, but I think they definitely need some more forward help and they need to find a goaltender. They need to find the guy that they can say for the next six years, this is our guy. You know, you know, I'm sorry, you know, Riddick, you know, we've got to have a guy that we know for sure, you know, can be here. Um, you know, nothing against the guy. I think eventually he could be a number one. But, you know, playing 60 games, 62 games a year is a lot different than playing 30 to 40 games yeah. a year. It just totally. is. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm going to pull uh, my best Ron McLean um, impression <laughs> here. How much time do you got? Should we keep going? I've got plenty of John, time. John, you good? Um, yeah, I'm okay. Yep. Cool. Well, let's keep going. I, uh, um, just to bring it back to the, the Marner conversation. Um, my, cons- my only concern, and this isn't specific to, um, St. Louis at all, but it's, it's specific to if I were a GM, it sounds like Marner wants essentially two big paydays. He wants to sign for around five years. So that's the term you're looking at. And so if you, if you give yep. him, if you give him 10 and a half at five years, um, my concern is what do you have to show for it at the end of that five years because you're giving up those four those four first round draft picks. So your cupboards are are bare of of, of top top uh, blue chip prospects, and Marner could walk. So that's my only he- hesitancy. In, in 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 if you offer sheet someone, I think I think you got to go full term. Well, you'd have you'd have yeah, I, uh, I, I three. You'd, you'd be the first team to three peat. Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> That's what you would have. Hey, there you go. That's the way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, the the Blues are at a situation right now toward the next two or three years. They're going to have some guys come up. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Dominic, excuse me, Dominic Bach that they drafted last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you this. You've seen Robert Thomas play. You've seen some other young Blues players play. Uh, Jordan Kyrou's mm-hmm. down in San Antonio. If Dominic Bach continues to improve, he's going to be a top five NHL player for years. He's very tall guy, needs to put a little bit of weight on. His problem is some games, when they brought him up to the top of, uh, I believe it was either the German uh, top league or the Swedish league, he kind of disappeared a little bit. But th- that's common for guys 18, 19 years old. Uh, he's 6'2", 6'3", 190, 200 pounds. So he needs to put a little bit of weight mm-hmm. on his frame. He needs to continue to work on his game. And if he continues to improve like he has over the next, over the last couple of years, in about two to three years, 
he's going to be a, a guy that could be in the NHL for 15 years and probably have 10 to 12 years of pretty dang good production. He's that type of guy. So they got a guy coming in him in a couple years if he continues to improve. I think the Blues are set for the next three, four, five years. But like you said, if Marner leaves in five years, if that's the kind of contract he wants, you know, you haven't taken any guys in the first round. But, you know, I'm not super concerned about that. Um, you know, like you said, if you win two cups, yeah. it's yeah. worth it. If you, if you even if you even win one, if you even win one cup, yeah. it's worth it. Um, you know, the the NHL draft is a hit and miss. I mean, we've seen it for years. I've seen it for years. The Blues draft in the first round, and ever oh, the Blues first rounder. It's gonna great to see him up with the Blues this year, guys. <laughs> just because somebody's drafted in the first round doesn't mean they're gonna. I've got people, you know. Eric Foley, who the Blues got in the trade for Sasney uh, last year, um, you know, he's a third round draft pick, I believe, of the Winnipeg Jets. And people are acting like this guy's going to be here and be here for 15 years. He was a third round draft pick. He's a third or, or a fourth, a fourth line player at best. <laughs> he's five foot 10, uh, 200 pounds. And people compare him to, to, to Braden Shanahan. I'm sorry okay. if you're five foot 10. Yeah. If you're five foot 10, 200 pounds, <laughs> you're not Braden Shanahan. If you're six, three and 230 pounds, <laughs> yeah, you might be Braden Shanahan Yeah, yeah. or, or Brandon, sorry, Brandon Shanahan, uh, you know, but uh, um, you know, I think he's going to be a decent guy, but you know, the blues have some young players. It's just a tough decision for a GM to make. If I'm Doug Armstrong, I try. You know, because even though you won the Stanley Cup, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to improve your team every single mm-hmm. year. If you don't, in two years, you've got guys coming off the books. Who do you replace them with? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, even if they don't trade Steen, he's going to be a free agent after the 22 season. Jaden Schwartz is going to be a free agent after the 22 season. Who do you replace these guys with? You know, you, you've you've got to have guys there in place to replace them. And if I'm the Blues, I think you still got to make a splash in free agency. Continue to improve your team. They did it when they got Braden Shin from Philadelphia, and that still for the for the Coke uh, the Coke Hound Montera. Uh, um, alleged, alleged. You know, yeah, alleged. Sorry, alleged accused uh, Coke Hound Latera. Um, you know, you've got to keep replenishing your team. That's how you win cups. You don't stand pat. The Pittsburgh Penguins didn't do it. And you've got to continue to, to to do that. Teams try every year to bring guys in. And you've got to do that. You've got to improve your team. Guys get old. Bo Meester's old. Steen's yeah. old. Uh, Jane Schwartz still is a young guy. But, I, you know, he was there at the second part of the year. I, you know, it wasn't for the lack of effort. If you guys watch Jane Schwartz play at the first of the year, the effort was there. He was snakebitten. But is he going to be that guy <laughs> that came up at the end of the year for the playoffs a couple of years ago and really showed something and then showed something the year mm-hmm. after you've got to make a lot of decisions. And I think this off season, regardless of the fact the blues won the Stanley cup, I think this off season is a hard off season for Doug Armstrong. Yeah. Jaden Schwartz sunk my fantasy season, by the way. So I'm a little, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I felt sorry for people. I got that from a lot of people in November, Oh my God! I picked Jaden Schwartz in the second round of my draft. What the hell was I thinking? I don't know what's what's going on. And I'm like, you know, he's going to break out sometimes. It just took him a long time. Yeah. I, I think the I hope the Blues are not as patient with him as they've been with other people. I, I really, really hope that. 
Uh, I think if he doesn't produce produce this year, you know, if the guy gets 10, 15 goals and 30 assists, that's great. Uh, but I think you move on from him after this year. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there's just, there's a lot of things this team has to look forward to. Tarasenko's, he, you know, he's there going to, he, these are a very, very team friendly contract at seven mm-hmm. and a half million. Can you imagine what he would garner if he was in the free agency right now? It would be $11 million a year for Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah. No you know, he's at seven and a half. He's at seven and a half until the twenty after the twenty the twenty twenty four season. They've got O'Reilly until the twenty twenty four season. You know, Tyler Bozak after twenty twenty two, love the guy, but I think you move on for him. You know, just because of his age, he's going to be thirty five, thirty six years old. Then that's a contract that's going to come off the book in, in two years. The Blues are going to have a lot of room to move in the next couple of years if they do things right. For sure, that's why they. I, I think that they're the perfect team to go all in on on one of these top RFAs, um, even if it is just a short-term five, six-year deal. Yeah. Um, having three Stanley Cup rings would look real nice, son. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think Brady Kachuk, Brady Kachuk is the perfect example It'd because, be Matthew, right? you know, Matthew. it doesn't – yeah, yeah, Matthew, sorry. It doesn't matter that he played here in St. Louis to me. You know, that's, that's great. It matters in oh, – the only way it matters to me – is that he has a hometown connection. He's going to be comfortable. He loves Robert Thomas. Robert Thomas still lives in Keith Kachuk's house. These guys basically grew up together. And I think the only team that could get him to take, you know, another deal besides Calgary, I think is going to be St. Louis. You know, I think he would love to stay in Calgary. He's got a lot of friends up there. He loves his teammates. He gets along with them. He's got a coach now. I think he likes and likes playing for, um, you know, I think it's honestly going to be between those two teams. I don't see him going anywhere else besides Calgary or St. Louis, unless somebody says, Hey, we're going to pay you unrestricted free agent money. And we're going to give you $6 million for six, eight years. I don't see him going any place besides those two teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, 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 I really hope that, you know, I, I really hope that the flames will match any, uh, any offer that uh, teams put in, but yeah, I, I, may, I mean, maybe Arizona would uh, would be able to get him out of there because um, he was born there uh, and he grew up there yeah. as well. But um, yeah, yeah I, I like you said, they're they're not in the, they're not in a spot of contention where they can give up those those four first round picks no. to, to be able to no. acquire him. No, and and he's, he's he's friends with Clayton Keller, yep. you know, another St. Louis connection, and and I love Clayton Keller. I wish somehow the Blues could have got him. Uh, there's only upside for him, and I think it would be a smart move for uh, for Arizona to do that. But I don't think they want to give up, uh, you know, any. And I, I don't think they want to give up a lot of money right now. They're trying to build their team, and I know Matthew's young, but uh, I just I think they might be a dark horse. But I think his main two stopping points are going to be staying with Calgary, going to St. Louis. But like you guys said, who else besides, you know, they've got Johnny Hockey up there. Uh, who else do you market around? I mean, you've, you've marketed around Johnny Hockey for several years now. What other big star can you market to your fan base? And I know fans up there are rabid. It's hard to get tickets, even when they're not playing well. I've been to the Saddle Dome. Uh, you know, you guys need a you guys need a new arena, and I know that's kind of that's kind of moving forward in a little a little yeah. way. I hope you get it. It's not a bad place to watch hockey. 
and I've been there for the stampede, the Calgary mm-hmm. stampede. Um, I've been there for hockey games. It's a great place to watch hockey, but I think in that market, you've got to have more than one guy to market to your for fans. Sure. And, uh, I think they're going to have to bite the bullet and sign him. And I think if they don't, you're going to have some pretty pissed off Canadians. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we, we are working on it, but, uh, all the money that, that we could have used went to the, uh, the new Rogers arena in, yep. in Edmonton here. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Oh, and by the way, I want to say one thing. I didn't think I would enjoy myself as much at the, st- at the stampede mm-hmm. as I did. Um, that the the final competition there Shoot. at the arena, the open arena there where they have all the horses come out and then they have the races. Uh, the company I work for bought a private oh, wow. suite. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, it was about average price for a private suite, you know, stuff in Canada is higher than mm-hmm. the U S. Um, but out of all of the times I've had private suites, luxury suites, it was one of my best experiences and the people were so nice I thoroughly enjoyed it and I'd never been to the stampede before. Uh, unfortunately the company I work for, uh, the C, uh, the CEO, um, embezzled money oh, from geez. the company and we went bankrupt. So, uh, yes. yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, I lost that high paying job and, um, things go on from there, but, uh, I really enjoyed the stampede. I always tell people when it comes around on Twitter, you know, Hey, if you're going to the Calgary Edmonton area, any part of Alberta, even if you're going to BC or if you just want to go up and take a trip and, and visit all the provinces, make sure you go around the time of the stampede. You may not know what it is. You may look at it and think, oh, that's just for people that like horses and, and cows. And it's a great time. They've got top tier uh, concerts. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a great fair atmosphere. Um, just a fun place to go to. So anybody listening to this that's in the States or anybody even in uh in canada that's not been to the stampede go to the stampede you'll have a good time eh? you won't be sorry yeah. <laughs> sound like a canadian there no doubt <laughs> no doubt no doubt about it. <laughs> the, the flame the flames have some good old things man. <laughs> hey I, i'm gonna tell you a funny story i used to have conference calls with companies up there and by the time i was done with the conference call we'd get off and my other people on the call would say Lance, you got to stop doing that. And I'm like, what? The last hour of the conference call, you were talking Canadian. <laughs> I'm like, oh, crap. Was I honestly? And I'm like, yeah. So I call the people. So I deeply apologize. Like, no, we loved it. You, you had a pretty good accent. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, sure they enjoyed it. We love, I, we love talking about that kind of stuff. I tend to do that too when That's I great. talk to someone with a, with a different accent from me. I kind of slip into when I'm talking. I just like. It's unconscious. I, I slip into their accent. When I talk to Spanish people, I do the same or yeah. Swedish people. And shockingly enough, I have a top the I have a top ten hockey podcast in Sweden. Wow. Which That's shocks so- me. <laughs> and I, I I don't have a lot of fans in Russia. I probably have about oh, two hundred people in Russia that listen in. Um, you know, it's 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 great. I'm trying to learn French. Uh, so I can do the podcast in French also. Je, je ne parle pas français. Because, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm trying to learn it. If, yes. Um, but uh, I would guarantee you if I did a blues podcast in French, it would probably be a lot bigger in Canada than mine is here in the States. And people just don't understand that. 
that they that they just don't get it. Uh, they don't get the lifestyle of growing up in Canada. Start skating when you're two, three, four years old. If you start skating when you're five years old up there, you're a late bloomer. You're considered yeah. a late bloomer. I started when and, I was three. Um, it's yeah, yeah. It's I I I didn't start till I was six. So I had a I was even <laughs> way behind the curve there. But I'm one of those people that picked it up, and within the first two days, I was skating. And then you're hooked. Pretty well, so um, <laughs> and then you're hooked. And you know, one of the one of the most uh, common uh, uh, misunderstandings is people think. Oh, you're a goalie. You don't know how to how to. You don't know how. You don't know how. You don't have to know how to skate. Crap. <laughs> you have to know yeah. how to skate to be a edge goaltender. work is so important. Uh, you can't be. You can't. Yeah, you can't be a slacker. You know, you have to learn how to skate first, and then get on in those pads. And when I was a kid in the '80s, you know, people talk about oh, goalies today were better than goalies in the '80s. No, <laughs> uh, uh-uh. just just because Grant Fear had a lot of three point three five, you know, and guys like Mike Liut and guys uh you know john casey and and you know uh don bupre uh, and barrasso and you know, guys like that in the 80s had you know over three goals against a lot of seasons my pads weighed 30 to 33 pounds and pads back then soaked yeah. up the melting ice oh, wow. so by the time the game was done by the time the game was done my pads weighed 33 to 36 Jeez. pounds um the pads today are yeah. ounces not pounds <laughs> so i would i tell them i would love to see you know, a guy like Patrick Waugh, a guy like uh, Martin Brodeur, put on the pads from the 80s. And, you know, guys like today, uh, let's see how well you do. Let's see how fast yeah. you are. Uh, you know, you had to be in, even though guys, you know, weren't into health as much as they were now in the 80s and the off-season regimens, those guys were in great shape. They had to be to be able to kick out that leg with those heavy with those heavy pads, move around with those heavy pads. And, you know, you just got to give it to them. When I get pissed off when people tell me Grant Fuhr would have a, a five goals against in this era, no, <laughs> uh-uh. I think he would be even better in this era than he was in the 80s and 90s. For sure. Yeah. And he lo- and he loves it when I tell him that. So. <laughs> sure he does. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, man, I appreciate the, uh, the endorsement of the old Calgary Stampede. You know, it's not just for people who like horses. It's for people who like drinking, too. We have lots of things going on. Yes. So oh, yes, get you a couple, get you a couple Molson ice, and uh, have a good time. <laughs> Just a good time there, bud. A good time there, bud. And I will tell, I will tell you, not, and I, I'm not just saying this. You guys up in Canada are the nicest. Every time I went there on a on a trip, there's a, a bar called Ducks on the Roof in Cochrane. Okay. And every time we went there to drink after a meeting or to meet clients there, um. People would come up or even after having a meeting with a company, hey, did you bring your skates? I'm like, no. Oh, we got some extras. We're having a pickup game. You come and play with us, you know, join us. <laughs> and it happened all the time, all the time. I never got that in the States here, you know, and I would say, you know, I'd like to, but I got a meeting or I got to go over a, a, a contract. Oh, maybe next time, give us your number. And, you know, ever, whenever you're in town, come and join us. We'll have a good time. We're going to throw back some Molson's. I'm like, okay. Oh, you, oh! You don't like Lemosins? Let's have some Leblancs. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I love, I love, I love the people from Newfoundland. Oh yes, it, it, great people oh, yeah. there. Um, one guy come up and he goes, "Lord, thunder and bejesus! You're really throwing down the L's, hey." <laughs> I'm like, 
Yeah, I am. Lord Tumbrin. You know, I'm like, oh, wow, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> Lord Tumbrin, but Jesus. Yeah, the Newfies, the Newfies are, are amazing they're people. Yes, they're amazing people, but they're, they're definitely, they definitely beat yeah. the sound of their own drum. Yeah, they're totally different <laughs> than people. And people from BC are different than people from Alberta. People from Ontario are de- pe- different people from Quebec. Every province is different, but they're all nice people. We appreciate that, man. That's, well, thanks, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> Giving, making us all feel nice. <laughs> well, thank you. But uh, should we, did you guys want to get into the draft or free agency maybe? I don't know. Some of the newer trades that are happening. It's up to you guys. I mean, a lot of the question a lot of people have for me that shows I've been on and emails are about uh, the glorious song. I don't know if you guys know. Actually, I really wanted, that was one of my questions is like, uh, like why Gloria? Like, do you have, do you have the story? I would love to hear the story. Let's end this on that. Okay. Um, uh, First of all, I was a fan of the song when it first started being played after that win. Uh, let's just say I don't like it anymore. Uh, a lot of a lot of people hate me for saying that because number one, I don't know what it has to do with hockey. You know, if they had a song like "War" from the Sick Puppies, you know, that's kind of a fight song. You know, "War," what is it good for? You know, something that has to do with like a really upbeat song. You know, hey, but if it works for you, you know, if you like to listen to classical music or Boy George and it gets you pumped, I don't care. But uh, the the blues the blues first heard the song after they uh, did a come behind uh, come from behind win against the Panthers, uh, I think that was a three to two game, and um, you know they went to a Philly bar one night after a game, it was playing and you know after the next game the Blues got a shutout and they just stuck to it, the the and the bar. The the, the 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 it's the bar is called uh Jack's New York Bar in Philly. It's where all the blues fans go watch blues games. That the, they've got blues banners everywhere. It's just a, a bar dedicated to the blues. And uh, I've had some bad experiences with Philadelphia sports fans in the past, <laughs> but I've talked to some of them from this bar and they seem to be like really good people. And that's where it all started was uh basically after the Panthers game and uh then they heard it in the Philly bar and they got the win and it just started gaining uh, momentum after that. Huh? Wow. And the, and the funny thing about it, um, she's not alive anymore. The lead singer of that uh, song is right. uh, no longer alive. She died. Uh, I think back in 20, somewhere around 2010 or so. Mm. Okay. Uh, Laura Brannigan. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think she died of cancer, but uh, somebody still has an official site for her and, if she was still alive, I wouldn't doubt it if the Blues would have had her do a national anthem. Oh, uh, song, oh for sure. Uh, because, you know, it really motivated them. And like I said, not my favorite song, <laughs> but if it motivates you to win a cup, hey, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely thought that uh, they maybe overplayed it a tad, a tad much. But uh, thank you. Just a tad bit. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, get I, on repeat during the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little. Yeah, and I, yeah, and one thing I want to talk about with you guys, we talked a lot about Calgary. You know, what are your thoughts on the Oilers? Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm gonna. I, I, you know, a lot of people blame, a lot of people blame it on GM. You know, a lot of people blame it on the past coaches, but in all honesty, 
I think it starts at top yeah, at the top yeah, with the owners. It very it, much it, does. You know, there are some alumni that think he's great and he does nothing wrong. The uh, top ownership that they've made great decisions, but in all honesty, they've had some good coaches. Um, I mean, if, if a hall of fame caliber coach cannot turn your team around, uh, I don't know who is, if he, if he cannot get your team to play consistently, uh, I don't know what's going on. I think they're moving in the right direction with their draft. I I like some of their picks, Mm -hmm. you know, they got a good defenseman in the first round. Uh, they didn't go for a crazy, you know, pick like a nail Yakupov at number one, but, uh, I think at number eight, yeah, like Detroit, (laughs) I think he's going to bring some good value. I think they're one of the teams that's moving in the right direction, but I feel sorry for the Edmonton fans. They're a, a rabid fan base. And I know a lot of people had issues with one of the fans throwing a Jersey on the ice after a loss, but you know, they're frustrated mm-hmm. and, and they deserve better than that. You know, Toronto is a different story. The Toronto fans deserve it, but the Toronto fan base is more of a corporate yeah. fan base. You know, the tickets are more corporate. Um, the Edmonton Oilers, you've got a true fan base where most of it are your average Joe Blow out on the street, you know, paying his good, hard earned money, money to see a team play. And they've had such a big drought and they've really not competed. You know, a couple of years ago, they were in the playoffs and, you know, they look good. And this year it just fell apart. Just some bad decisions, some bad contracts. Um, where, where do you guys go from here? Man, there, there's... It's a messy situation for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think I think like you said, they they are making they are going in the in the right direction. Um, I'm glad Ken Holland didn't go off the board and pick some random dude. Um, I think Broberg is going to be a good prospect for them. That they're ex- he's exactly the type of guy that they need. Um, and yeah, they're going to see if they can groom him to be that top pairing defenseman that they so desperately. Um, required Nick Lidstrom type player. Yeah, um, and you know this this whole situation with the with Yessi Puliyarvi is is just it's it it'll be really important to see how Holland handles the situation. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that mm-hmm. because I think the mistake was made by yep. playing him early. They should yep. have given yep. him two to three years in the minors. Yeah, uh, you know it's just. You, you, you know, I understand you want to bring guys up and Hey, I'm not saying it would have happened, but what would have happened if they would have given Neil Yakupov four years in the minors? Mm-hmm. Maybe he would have been a better player. I'm not saying he would have been, <laughs> but you know, uh, there's some bad decisions made. Uh, you've got uh, Miko Koskinen. They signed the contract and then they fire the GM yeah. that, you know, I think he's got some decent skill, but I still am not sold on him. Gosh, not for $4 million. Oh, hell no. Two, two and a half, maybe. Yeah. You know, but $4 million, I mean, you could get a lot more for that. And yeah, it's just one bad decision after another yeah. bad decision. And it, it was, it wasn't even, their sample size wasn't even like they, they signed the contract with like um, a quarter or a half a season ago. Yeah. Like yeah. they, they made that decision based on like zero sample size. That'd be like if, Doug Armstrong signed. Um, well, I mean, now it would make sense, but um, mm-hmm. if if Armstrong signed Bennington to actually, that'd be a steal if 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 he could sign them to yeah. Bennington to a four mil three year deal. But uh-huh. um, 
for a guy like Koskinen, who's what, 30 years old coming off mm-hmm. out of the KHL. Yeah. And he wasn't even that good. No, he wasn't considered a top tier goalie in the KHL. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, it, it was definitely, <laughs> I think Chiarelli had a lot to do with, with that as well. And it, it was also, like you said, ownership, Kate's wanting to keep that old boys club around and, yep. um, you know, hiring his childhood heroes to, to run the team and, they really had no business to do that. But I don't know, man. I, I think that I think that they could turn it around um, if Holland continues to go down the path that he's going. You know, um, he was uh, quoted by, as saying that um, he's not just going to give in to, to Pugliarvi's trade request. Um, you know, he's not going to trade this player just for the sake of trading him. Um, if he doesn't get fair value, he's just going to let him sit. And I think that is the um, a really smart good, move. Yeah, very smart move. Um, you need to show that, uh, especially for Ken Holland coming in as his, you know, it's his mm-hmm. first year as a GM. Um, he needs to show that he's in control of this ship. And uh, I think, I think if they continue to to go on the way they are, um, they could break out of it because really all they need is. Um, another top four defenseman, a good backup goaltender who could play for over, who could take over for Koskinen if he falters, um, yes. and a winger. Like yeah, a I've, 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 I've heard, yeah, I've heard Jake Allen's name also. That'd be a good one-two pairing for sure. I would love to see that. Yeah, and I, you know, I, 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 I think I, I, would, I think I agree with you on most that. I think you guys are two forwards away because when you've got Connor McDavid, Dry Saddle. And uh, Nugent Hopkins being seventy six percent or seventy eight percent of your offense, yeah. I, I think in, I think you're two guys away there. You're one D away, but you've got to get a guy that has either been a starter and has some success as a starter, or you've you know you've got to get a guy that maybe you know was a starter and is willing to be a backup and can come in there. The only bad thing about Jake Allen is I think. You've got to put some guys that are good defensemen in front of him. Exactly. And and right now, I think that's a huge area you guys lack in. Yeah. But, you know, I think you're addressing it. This, my question is, I got two questions, and I know this is your show, but. No, no. Can, can, can you move on from the stupidest contract in the world, the Milan <laughs> Lucic contract, and can you guys compete within two to three years? Because. I don't think that fan base is going to wait for you're going to no. have to compete in my mind in two years. I don't think McDavid's yeah. going to wait. No, he won't. I, I wouldn't if I, if, if you were him, I mean, it would be like Gretzky mm-hmm. and I'm not saying, I'm not saying McDavid's better than Gretzky. I've had people tell me that I'm going to tell you right now. I've watched a lot of hockey in my lifetime and Wayne Gretzky is the best pure all around player I have ever seen. Even Gordy Howe says that. Mm-hmm. Wayne is the best player I have. He could do things even in his old age that guys couldn't do, you know, at 22, 23. Yeah. I think Connor McDavid's a little step down from that, but I mean, what would you do if, I mean, if you're Wayne Gretzky on that team in the eighties and they're not winning, it's going to get frustrating. And, you know, you can see some of the interviews I've watched with him after games and he doesn't want to no. throw his guys under the bus, No, but you know, as a star, I think every now and again, you got to say, Hey, I need to play better. And, you know, most games he's at the top of his game. But even though he, in my mind, he doesn't need to play better, you've got to say, I need to play better and step up my game. Like Ryan O'Reilly did in Buffalo. It got fans pissed off. But I think in Edmonton, they would appreciate Connor McDavid doing yeah, that. For sure. Definitely. 
um, the sense I get from Edmonton fans is that, you know, they, they, they understand McDavid's frustration. They don't blame the players. They blame the management and the coaching and the owners. Um, cause you, you can see that they're, they're really trying and it's just, mm-hmm. they, they can't keep the puck out of the net and, mm-hmm. um, they can't seem to do anything when McDavid's not on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really need that extra winger so that they can, you know, um, mm-hmm. break up the dry side on McDavid duo, um, so that they can roll at <laughs> least two lines. Cause it's, it's, it, it is pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think McDavid's gonna wait. If if they don't if they perform the same way um, that they did this year, where they're kind of up and down, and they almost make the playoffs, and then they fall a few games back, and then they come back in, and um, I think that he leaves if if that it's it's another year of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I don't think they can get rid of Lucic. There's that's just a contract. They're they're either gonna have to buy him out or just swallow it because. Do, do you know what his cap hit is if you guys bought him out before this season? No, I don't actually. It's probably, let me look it up. I know it's his cap uh, hit now, it's, but yeah. It's, three, it's 3.625 million. 3. Next year, it yeah. would be 5.6. A year after that, 4.1. year after that, 5.6. And then it goes down to 600. Yeah. His, his oh. buyout cost is, is 625000 but you still got to take that cap hit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go down to 625000 guys, until after the 23 season. That's ugly. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, but in my mind, that has got to be one of the top three worst contracts yeah. of all time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking when they did that. Um, maybe they thought he was going to be the guy to come in and be physical and add 20 goals. But that's not him. If you watched him enough in Boston, mm-hmm. uh, I just don't know what they were thinking. Um, you you can't get out of it. But no. the guy, the guy is, uh, you know, he's just not even the player he was in Boston. Mm-hmm. And look, you I know, love he's gotten Lucic. older. I love yeah. Lucic. He's a great guy, um, and I love listening to his interviews. <laughs> uh, oh, they're great. Yeah, he's just such an intelligent person. Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't give you the old like, oh yeah, we just gotta you know, get pucks deep and uh, play our game, and like he, he'll actually tell you what they're doing wrong, what they need to fix, and hopefully they can mm-hmm. get it done in the next period or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the first person to 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 say like, look, I'm not playing up to my contract, and mm-hmm. you, you can tell that it's affecting him. Um, but Peter Torelli is the guy who has <laughs> caused all of this. Like even this turmoil with um with the high cap hits players are 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 getting. When you yep. pay a guy like Lucic, um, it's was six. it six or seven that he's getting? He's getting six. He's getting six. Yeah, if you pay a guy like Lucic six million dollars, then you know what do you pay a guy like, um, like Mc, like McDavid or or Drysital who gets yeah. like thirty or forty points more than him. That's right. Like it's it's just I think he was the reason that um the prices for free agents have inflated so abruptly. Well, you know, his his base salary is only three. Where they screwed up mm-hmm. was his signing bonus. The signing bonus is three million dollars this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, h- how do you do that with a guy, you know? I mean, Peter Shirelli is an idiot. <laughs> I never thought no. when they signed him it was a good move. <laughs> I think he got I think he got lucky in Boston. All things came together. They had the right coach the right players in the right system. 
And I mean, you know, I know the guy played for you in Boston, but that doesn't mean he's good for your locker room yeah. there or that he's a good player. Yeah. You know, and he's got some of the responsibility, but in my mind, the ownership does too. Cause you know, he had to go to the owners to do this. I guarantee it because I, I know that dynamic up there at that time, they weren't going to let him do anything without approval. They'll say that he had, you know, anonymity and it was all him. That's not true. That's not true at all. So the ownership has to take responsibility for this mess. You've got a star for you've got a star forward in McDavid. You've got good players in Dry Saddle, Nugent Hopkins, and I think the next stupid move, the number one was Lucic, the number two yeah. was trading Tyler yeah. Hall. That oh was my gosh. stupid. Yeah. One for one, I, two. Oh God! When no I seen that, I thought, yeah. nothing. And then, and, and then you end up losing the guy that you traded him for. I mean, I, I just I, I sit back when that happened, and I'm like, the Devils are going to love this, and this is going to hurt Edmonton for years. The uh, yeah, totally. so the, the that's my that you ask what's wrong, you what's wrong in, in Edmonton, and it's it's the fact that the the right up to ownership the the top executives and management have been the same alumni for all these years and they're not really making any changes and it's just a bunch of yes men in the room and that's how you end up with a six by six uh contract uh contract for milan Mm -hmm. lucic that's how you end up with miko koskinen who isn't a proven goaltender signed for three three more years at uh, a starting goaltender's salary yeah, and you know what's what's sad is, I know a lot of people up there in Edmonton, and you can probably speak to this. A lot of people blame Kevin Lowe, and I'm going to tell you from my knowledge, Kevin Lowe really did not does not have a lot of decisions in the day to day operations of that team. He's got some input, but I you know I've heard people up in Edmonton ripping him apart, and people down here in the media ripping him apart, and I know personally, you know people should not be ripping this guy apart. He is part of the organization. And, you know, everybody's got to take some responsibility, but I think people in Edmonton need to know, and I know this for a fact, and you need to tell people up there, lay off of Kevin Lowe because he's not mm-hmm. responsible for what's happened. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but he is, he is one of those guys that they brought in, former, you know, Stanley Cup winner, former player, and sometimes, you know, guys just don't work out in that capacity, whether they have a lot of say-so or whether – they're just a guy being brought in well, because of the name. I mean, for a while there, for they sure. had Craig McTavish as coach and GM, and then they moved him into yep. the executive. So it's just it's a, just the same guy is kind of being oh, cycled geez. over. You the the and and not not particularly yeah, pointing out Craig McTavish at all in 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 any bad way, but yeah, the fact that you don't have a new fresh voice in the room is a real problem. You don't have some guy to sit back mm-hmm. and question every decision that you're making. Yeah, yeah. See what what they need. You know, they've got Kevin Lowe, you know, they moved McTavish. They've got some other guys from the Oilers organization there in the past. You need guys. Yeah, those guys might, you know, know hockey and they might be great at what they do. If that's so, if they really are, you need to run decisions by them. And I don't think that's happened. And like I said, a lot of people have blamed um, coaches in the past, Ken Hitchcock and other previous coaches. You know, they've blamed the GM and Peter, you know, Shirelli's got a lot to, a lot of blame there. But when he went to the ownership and said, I'm going to sign Milan Lucic to $6 million a year, the ownership sort of said, okay, 
Um, what's the what's the deal? Yep. They should have a hockey guy there, or two hockey guys, or three or four guys, and say, guys, give me your assessment of Lucic. This is what we're wanting to do. And at the end of this assessment, one paragraph assessment, thumbs up or thumbs down. And they haven't had that. And I don't know if they're going to have that now, but I think that would help in restoring the, yep. you know, the fans um, confidence in the new GM in, 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 in the new coach. I, I think they've got a, a good new coach that can change things around, but if the ownership continues to lay, you know, put brain farts out there and sign guys that shouldn't be signed, yep. it's going to be hell for the next 10 years. And I hate to see that, because like I said, I've been to games in Calgary. I've been to games in Edmonton and Edmonton's got a rabid fan base. They just, you know, all year long, even when they lose, all you talk about is, you know, is, uh, you know, is the Oilers, you know, yeah, you've got a <laughs> CFL team, but they, they don't talk about them very much. Yeah. You know, they talk about the Oilers all year long. Yeah. And, you know, for this team to go in every year and the fan base go, Oh, are we going to make the playoffs? Are we going to finish last? You don't want a fan base doing it. You want a fan base saying, can we compete for the Pacific? Are we going to compete? Are we going to finish second? What do you think we're going to do in the playoffs? It's not good when you have a fan base for eight to 10 years saying, are we even going to make the playoffs? For sure. And, you know, hopefully Bob Nicholson and, uh, you know, um, Kenny Holland can can lead this team to to somewhere. Um, <laughs> from the basement. Well, another yeah. another problem with this team is just their um their scouting. Oh yeah, their 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 scouting is terrible. And I looked at your uh, minor league roster. Uh, it's, they've got even their 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 major league roster. Who aside from their first round picks that they've drafted yeah. and then brought brought through their system? Nobody. No, no one. Yeah, nobody. It's atrocious. And and you know I'm. I'm shocked that they hit on McDavid. I'm shocked they didn't go for you know, some, <laughs> other guy, you know, some guy that was ranked 53rd, but you know he was in the KHL and you know he had one good season. And I was shocked when they did that. I'm like, wow, they actually made the right move. <laughs> and speaking of the right move, I don't know if you guys want to discuss this, the top two picks in the uh, draft. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I wanted to talk that you know a little bit about that when it comes to Hughes and. And uh, Kako, uh, do you guys think the Rangers made the right decision? Or the Devils, sorry. I don't think you can go wrong, yeah. first of all. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of looking at the Rangers roster and having that that one-two punch down the middle for the rest, for like the next 10 years or so, I think that, that was a, a really good uh, way to go, especially if you're going to try to keep Taylor Hall. Um, but... I personally, I think I what just watching uh, Kako. I like he would have yeah. been my number one pick. He would have been mine also. I I think they're going to regret that. I think Hughes is going to be a, a good player. Nothing against him. I think he's going to gel well uh, in New Jersey. Yeah. But uh, I think ten years from now, we're going to be talking about Kako having a much better pro career than Hughes has had. And like I said, I'm not trying to knock the guy. I've watched him a lot and. I just think Kako would have been my pick and people here in St. Louis think I'm nuts. They're huge Jack Hughes fans, but uh, if I, I, I don't even, I don't even get on the clock for that. When, when that clock start before it even starts, I say, Batman, don't even start the damn clock. I know you want, you know, it to go. And then all of a sudden, you know, Oh, they pick you, you know, Kako over Hughes. I would have just said, don't start the clock. I'm going to pick Kako. Just get me up there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 
it's it's all about what the what the team needs too, right? Like, so I I'm not super knowledgeable about prospects, um, mm-hmm. but I, I think the like like John said too, I don't think you can go wrong. But no, you can't. I think according to New Jersey's depth chart, I think Jack Hughes was probably the better pick for them. Um, because you know having Kako would solidify their top line of Hall, Hishir, sure. and Kako. Um, but getting Hughes allows them to really fill out their top six. Because um, sure. Jesper Bratt is is starting to develop. Um, you've got Blake Coleman who can score goals, who can um, come up and and play in the top six. Uh, and you know you've got Cal Palmieri who's still around. Um, sure. So. Again, they just need another winger, serviceable winger. Um, and if you, if Jack Hughes can continue to play, um, you know, can translate his skill level to the NHL, uh, then you know it, it. You don't really need a uh, a top level winger to to play with him on the second line to to uh, score goals. And then I, I think that eventually he's going to be their top line center. He's just going to move down to the second line. Um, and then they're going to go off with, uh, with Hall and whoever else that they stick on the top line there. Um, yeah. I think it's his first year. He's probably going to get yeah. 15 to 20 minutes on the second line. Mm-hmm. I, the only thing that, that I worry about with him is the same thing I worried about when Johnny hockey came into the league. Mm. He's a, he's a little bit taller than Johnny hockey. You know, I've seen people say Johnny hockey's five ten. There's no way in hell Johnny Hockey's 5'10". He's 5'9 on skates. He's 5'9 on skates. He's more like 5'7", 5'7 and a half. I mean, I'm 6'4", and on skates, I'm over 6'6". Yeah. So, um, you know, I worry about him getting beat up a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I worry about, you know, because look in the playoffs, what happened to Johnny Hockey. And I've watched it the regular season when teams get physical with him, and it's nothing against him. I love him. He's a great player. But when teams get physical with him, he's a different type of player. And that's what I worry, especially being in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. You know, with some physical teams like Boston, Washington can be physical. You know, Toronto can be at times. But, you know, I think he's going to struggle a little bit. And that's why, you know, if he would have been a right winger, a left winger, I think Kako would have definitely went first to New Jersey. Yeah. I, I think the reason he went first, he's a center and good centers are hard to find. Yeah, for sure. And they're expensive on the market. They're expensive on the trade. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, again, no no, no wrong choice there. But uh, no, I think, definitely I think Hughes is definitely going to be, both players are going to be really good on their respective teams. Um, now, I, I, I don't know if you guys are like me and probably hate the Blackhawks as much <laughs> as I do. <laughs> I but actually, um, not as much as the Rangers. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the Rangers either. But the, the Blackhawks, um, there's a whole conspiracy thing going around here that uh, you know, and this is funny. Everybody told me they thought the Blackhawks would get one of the top three picks, and they sure did get <laughs> number three. And you know, you can say they don't set things up, and you can say they don't do certain things, but the NHL wants the Blackhawks to be relevant again. I mean. Uh, with a week left and the Blues playing the the Blackhawks in one of the last games of the season, Jeremy Roenick on NBC Sports, this is going to be a big game for the Blackhawks. This game could get them into the playoffs. And I knew for a fact they weren't going to get in the yeah, playoffs. Well, and it's going to be great to see the, the Blackhawks back in the playoffs. And, you know, all you got to do is get in the playoffs and the Blackhawks could win the cup again. There's no way in hell this <laughs> team was going to win the cup. They're in salary cap hell. They pay yeah. too much money. 
for Duncan Keith. They paid too much for Marion Hosa years ago, and they had to come up with some scoop, stupid excuse that he was allergic to his jersey <laughs> to get out of that for <laughs> medical reasons. I mean, you play in a goddamn jersey since you were four years old, and now all of a sudden you're too allergic to play in one. Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good part. Uh, that's 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 probably a good point to end. I'm sorry, guys. I don't want to cut this short, but I got to get going right. here. Um, that's all right, Lance. Thank you so much for for jumping on the pod, man. We, we yeah, love talking to you. Um, <laughs> I wish we could talk for longer. Um, no, it's fine. Hey, and when you guys get some time, uh, we'll get back on again, and we'll you know we'll talk some uh, some Edmonton hockey, some Calgary some hockey, Montreal whatever hockey. you guys want to talk about. <laughs> some Montreal hockey, Heck, yeah. Uh, We'll see some some where some things pan yeah. out after July first, and maybe I can have you on halfway through July, and we can kind of go over what happened with free agency. And I'm sure a lot of the names we talked about Marner, uh, Kachuk, uh, the possibility of Jake Allen moving, uh, Leonard, and some other guys will will know where they yeah, go or if sure, they man. didn't go. Heck yeah, <laughs> it's a date. I love that. Yeah, that'd be right. awesome. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm a cheap date, so don't worry about it. So. Awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely chat when we uh, when I get back from from Scotland there, and uh, we're looking forward to it. That'd be awesome. Great. And you guys, you guys may have to cut this episode into two Might episodes. So. We'll see. We'll see how we feel about it. Maybe. <laughs> well, we'll throw it all at once. Well, great guys, enjoy your time in Scotland. I know it's never off season for hockey fans, and. Uh, you know, I enjoy the free agent signing and thanks, uh, we'll man. talk again. Yeah, for sure. And thanks again for coming on. Why don't you uh, give everybody your social media so we can uh, get everybody to give you a follow. Great. You can uh, follow me personally at hockey goalie STL on Twitter. You can follow me at drop hockey show on Twitter, the, the, uh, the podcast itself. You can email me at Lance D at droppodcast.com. I'm affiliated with lineupmedia.fm. Uh, you can look them up. They have other uh, hockey podcasts, including one with uh, Jamie Rivers, former Blue, uh, Jamie Rivers and former Blue Darren Kimball. Uh, they played for the Blues in the 80s and 90s. Uh, they give a great perspective and make sure to follow them and find other podcasts on their network. And uh, it's great being on with you guys. And I look forward to next time. For sure. Thanks again for coming on. Um, yeah, give us a follow at HFXT podcast on Twitter as well. You know where to find us all the good, uh, all the major podcast directories, Spotify, Twitter, or Spotify, Stitcher, um, Apple, Google podcasts, you know, share, share it with your friends, bring your mom, family. Yeah. And, and, and one more thing, if your listeners go, uh, to droppodcast.com where the website is, is put is hosted. I'm having some server issues. I did do the last six games <laughs> of the Stanley Cup, but they transferred some of my uh, episodes over to another server. I'm trying to get them back. Those episodes should be up in the next four or five days. I apologize. <laughs> but uh, yeah, go to droppodcast.com and you can check out every Blues game for the last four years. Heck yeah. Give those guys a listen and uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see you. John and Sterling might have a surprise for you guys soon. Um, awesome. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you again to Lance for, for jumping on the pod. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.